You are listening to a production of the Toho Network. This is Laser Knees number 133. Continue to shine on, you crazy diamonds. I'm Aleph. And I'm Sono, and this is Machine Sentai Kira Major, episode 45. You were there and shined. Our writer is Kawa Naruhisa, and our director is Yamaguchi Kyohei. Alright, well, before we get into fully into the episode proper... Um, I guess we'll get the bad stuff out of the way, because, um, yo, this was some, some, uh, Arakawa Naruhisa Sentai, and, uh, it's real Yeah, I, I only have one complaint, and it's just, the Mount Kira Major monument was kind of weird. Oh, only kind of. Part of it was just too much realism. I think they needed maybe... Just a couple more After Effects filters, because those were very clearly just photos with a color overlay and then, like, a glitter filter. They didn't even seem to use the bad, like, made-of-stone effect they used back in Zeo. Yeah, like, I don't know, because I, all I keep see- thinking is y'all should have just, like, made that into a 3D thing or run it through, I don't know, Substance Designer or something. Just, like... Turn to black and white, turn it into a bump map, use that to make some normals and curvature maps, use some simple weathering effects, then do the overlays, but... Or, like you said, just bring back the, the awful stuff from Zio. Yeah, like, trust me, I know how to do that in After Effects. It takes, like, three seconds. You don't actually have to do anything. It's just, they didn't even make them not look like a photo that had been... Yeah. ...weirdly masked onto that mountain. Yeah, it just, it did not work. And, you know, that's that's fine overall, but it's just, it's 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 just a shame because they, they sort of made that the centerpiece of the end of the episode. Yeah, and, and, I don't know, also, like, Mount Rushmore is bad. And I know, like, in Japan, the history of Mount Rushmore and what is troubling about it is not at all common knowledge. Because it's not even common knowledge in the U.S. And it's our bad monument. So, like, I don't I don't blame them for, like, being like, that's, that's some cool imagery. But, like, so, like, I don't really blame them. It's just me as a person in the U.S. who knows where that mountain is and the history of it and the problems with it existing. Yeah. Like some bad feels but it's that's I'm not blaming them for that that's not their fault because they definitely don't know yeah, about no. it yeah certainly because like I know that there's a different it's, you know it seems to be a different cultural thing to evoke it maybe use it because I know that other bits of media like Naruto have used similar imagery uh, yeah like you said it's just it ain't cool it ain't great monument on a sacred mountain to the folks who profited from taking said land and murdering a bunch of people who were living there. And, you know, also lying to them and, and just generally treating them horribly. Just, that sucks. That sucks so much. Yeah, it's... Hey, if you ever wanna, if you ever wanna get depressed, read up on the proper history of, of Mount Rushmore. There was a, there's actually an uptick in it, uh, not too many years ago, because... The, the, the previous president of the U.S. just was real awful about some people who were just like, hey, maybe this shouldn't be here. A bunch of people were like, hey, go home. And they're like, hey, no, we're, we're from here in a way you can't even imagine, buddy. It was... 
Anyway, um, anyway, that's literally the only problem we have with the episode is that that was yeah visually weird. And and evokes just some stuff, but mostly ugly, ugly mostly stuff. the visual weirdness because I can't even really blame them because they definitely don't know well, yeah, the history I mean, of that kind of thing. But we can't not bring yeah, it up. They're just you know we know it so. But most, just mostly the uh, problem is the visual weirdness. Yeah, yeah, it's just, but, you know, that aside, to get away from the, the uncomfortable, unpleasant stuff, uh, which is not to say we're not acknowledging it exists, it does, which is, this, that's outside our remit. <laughs> we, we talk about Super Sentai and what it made us think, and I don't want to bring any more bad stuff into the show, because this is a good this was a good episode of Sentai. Let's talk about the good stuff and the things we liked, so no. Okay. So this is gonna sound bad, but I put it under good for a reason, so just trust me, folks. Um, I, impre- I appreciate the simplicity of the final fight with Yodon. Like, Crunchula presents a way to get Yodon's mask off, and it seems like that, as a win condition, is locked on the other side of the lose condition, and I knew immediately we'd be using the illusion Granter Stone to pull a fast one on him, but it didn't kill the hype. And I think even some kids, because this is meant for eight-year-olds, may have, like, not thought of it immediately. Because we haven't really done anything with it. And just, like, the only reason I could see it coming is because this show has been so tightly written that there really haven't been any plot threads that were dropped. The only one is... is Numajo and Minjo, which was, which is a movie thing that was clearly meant to be a much earlier movie. It was clearly meant to be a movie that happened at the beginning of the show, not at the end. Because, you know, when Arakawa puts a gun on stage, someone does eventually fire it. And not only has the Illusion Stone been put on stage, Juru was holding it when he came up with the plan. Yep. Like, it's just tight writing, and I appreciate some tight writing. And, you know, I knew that Arakawa would still have some surprises within the episode. Well, yeah. He's, he's, no, he's Arakawa. And, you know, it, it takes a lot, though. I mean, it, like you said, it's, it's very simple, and they basically told us everything they were going to do, and still have the hype go on. Because there's no surprises, but it was still exciting because they set it up really well. And they played fair with you the whole time so that you can you can imagine it, you can what if, you can imagine all of the, the bad outcomes, but you also can see how they're going to get past them and just watching them do it after this whole show and honestly after the, the build-up that was 30, uh, 43 and 44. Like... This is just this is just the rest of that breath. Yeah, it's so good. Um, speaking of forty four, I really thought Yodona had been dead. Like, wasn't her being dead the condition for him to break out of the block of stone? Yeah. But also, I like I am glad that she was able to hold on long enough to kind of do this last lore reveal, because that lore reveal is kind of the final nail that drives the show's thesis home. 
Because Yodan used his creativity to cut himself off from others to the point where he became so lonely that he had to manifest his loneliness into people that he could care about and then only saw them as weaknesses to be destroyed. Like, he manifested his desire for friends so that he could destroy it once it was no longer of use to him. Yeah, which... Wow, that's bleak. <laughs> and, honestly, it's it's funny how a worship of strength always leads to people cutting out the things that could have helped them in some way. I feel like there might be a message there. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe just a, I wonder. just a little bit. Seriously, though, I love how much this, uh, especially an Arakawa series, will just say, like, Hey, kids, here's the message! Because <laughs> why be subtle? It's, it's Sentai. Yeah, no, and it is Sentai, where the power of the team and leaning on people you care about and sharing your feelings and burdens is what defeats everything. Where if Yodon had just leaned into that and held on to Yodona and worked with her and planned with her, they probably could have taken the win. Because physically, yeah. they, physically and mentally, they kind of had the team outmatched. But since Yodon wanted to be this singular existence that was all his own power, and he saw himself as unbeatable, his ego opened him up to being tricked. Yep, because, I mean, again, only being for yourself or your own power in a Super Sentai show, that, that means you get wrecked. Period. There are times when villains have been out here for other things, like the Zangak Emperor, who loves his son and rolls up on the Gokaijers for just pure revenge. But, you know, his thing was he's Imperial, and that's also bad. But, like, more than anything, the big thing is that if you don't love other people in a, lo- in a way that allows both of you to be your best selves, you cannot win. And, like, on a long enough timeline, there's a lot of historical examples to back that up yeah. and you you don't even have to go that far back you just have to to compare legacies because like uh, uh the thing i got talking about with some friends the other day was um jimmy carter you know jimmy carter yeah. of course you know jimmy carter yeah like basically you know he was president and like a year or two later i was born so he spent his, like, after he was done being president, he just said, hey, I'm going to dedicate the rest of my life, and he's still going, to Habitat for Humanity. What's, like, when he goes, what's his legacy going to be? Oh, he just showed up and said, I want to give people houses. I want people to have places to live. I think that's a good thing. And that's what he did for for my entire existence on this planet and it's just like a lot of people who go out for their own power or their own money or whatever they don't get to be remembered like that they can have their their power here but anyway that's getting morbid again it's just i love the message yeah, is just, the thing even even some of the super sentai villains that have been the most threatening have had a motivation that was wasn't quite about themselves. Like, uh, like, Rio and Melee, they got real far, Melee got real far on the fact that she was just totally in love with this dude. 
and again, like the Zangyak Emperor, he was threatening because he loved that boy and you hurt that boy. Yep. Which, again, like I rewatched it not too long ago. The 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 subtext of just how much he loves his kid and how much he's just like, hey, there's no more Super Sentai. Go to Earth. They drove us back. You, my son, will be the head. You'll be the tip of the spear. You'll show everyone that you're great. I'll just be back here, and and I'll let everyone know that I'm sending my son, who's so competent. Everyone thinks you suck? Don't worry about it. After you conquer the planet that drove us back, no one can fight you. And then, you know, the Gokaijers happened. I mean, the, he, his favorite mech, the most powerful one in the universe, is just his son's face with arms, legs, and a head on it. <laughs> Like, it's, it's named after his son. It was like the Grand Walls. Like, that's beautiful. He really loves his kid. It's just that also he's um, a vicious imperial force, and uh, Arakawa, pretty clearly anti-imperialist. And, uh, you know, respect. That's, my, that's why he's one of my favorite just Sentai writers. I will, I will show up for anything he does. Anyway, we, sh- we should keep going, because I could just spin out into how great Naruhi's Arakawa is. Um, so I kind of dig on Yodon- Yodon's weird Hydra snake face. Yeah! Like, it's it's weird. And, it, mm. like, his head is just made of several snakes. But it also, it feels very old Sentai in design, which I think is cool. Um, he kind of hid this old-school design to make him look more scary in a modern way, and his ancientness feels emphasized by that older design style. Yeah. And, like, I have had, look, I've had so many reasons to back off on an earlier assertion I made that his design wasn't great. Though I do maintain that it is not as good as Minjo, Numajo's, or even Yodona's. But look, it's still a pretty great design. And then there was that snake face, and like, hey, guess what? He's pretty great, actually. He rules. <laughs> I love that design. I didn't think they'd ever bring me around on it, so no. Once, but once we got a look existed. at him. Yep. Those those uh, desaturated, half shadowed, uh, almost reveals they put in magazines. They'll they'll fool you, cause color and acting and motion does so much but more than anything I think the, the snake for me also really helped bring the rest of the, the look together because it helps take the, the tentacly octopus like bits and sort of recontextualizes them as even more snakes just holding on to these other elements like wrapping all of these things in their coils like like the weird skull things in the globes on his chest and and things like that i don't know it just it made him a more cohesive design overall and then when they go in and explain his origins they actually literalize what the mask and by extension all the other masks in the show have been standing in for which is this dude's need to seem powerful and imposing and immortal to cover for the fact that he's actually just, you know, he's a powerful guy, but he's just a guy. 
He's he's out here just being the toxic masculinity that Garza embodied earlier on, but somehow even more so because we see there that there have been so many moments for him to turn around and not make not wear that mask and embrace his own creativity. But he doesn't want that because he doesn't want to feel vulnerable. So the mask isn't even a metaphor. It's just, it is the thing. And that's just freaking brilliant. Like It, it really is amazing that he is this extension of Garza in that he just is Garza on this much grander scale. And he imposes that on every person around him and it literally dragged down an entire society. He dragged down Garza by cutting him off from the love he got from his brother. He dragged down Crunchula by stifling his creativity. He dragged down Yodona by cutting her off from every emotion except the one where she loves only him, I guess? I don't know, that last one still feels like they could have handled it better, but it does serve the point where Yodon's mindset pollutes everyone around him just like he is physically polluting the earth so he can be there. And I think it's great for kids to see that getting wrapped up in that I am putting myself first, like above everything, above the well-being of of my the people that I'm supposed to be helping like, it kind of makes everything into garbage. He is very much, I don't know how to tell you, you should care about other people. <laughs> That's, yeah. And, like, by, by doing that and supporting the people you love and accepting their support, the world becomes better and brighter. Yeah, and, you know, in talking about the not even a metaphor that's going on here. I forgot about the literal actual pollution that he's doing. And again, like, it's almost like there's a message here, because when you stop and think about it, uh, it is a bunch of people who go after that me first, and in fact, only me mentality. They tend to be the types who end up doing all the actual literal polluting of both the social, spiritual, and, you know, environmental kind. Weird. Again, almost like there's a message here. I wonder what it could be. But it's just, again, the the masks are literal. The pollution is literal. Yeah. yeah. It's so good. They're these literal just... manifestations of the ideas. Yeah, which... I mean, that's hard to do well, you know? Yeah. There are only a handful of times where that works. And it's, it's like this, and okay, maybe this is going too far, but it's also Darth Vader. Because, like, what is Darth Vader? Darth Vader is a, is a human who has been devoured by the machinery of Empire until he's more machine now than man. Yeah. And it, he turns evil. Like, it's not even a metaphor. That's just his origin. <laughs> That's literally his or Like, if you describe what, it, what happened to him to make him Darth Vader, that's it. And it's just, when people call that sort of thinking toxic, the adjective is really apt, and I just like that, I mean, Yodon is literally toxic masculinity. <laughs> in, in that he is bad for you, and also, like, literally, he just 
he will melt your entire world into into muck. What a just that's so good. It's it's so obvious, and that's why it works because it shouldn't work. You should see that and be like, "Oh heck with you, stop." But anyway, so. Even if Mabushina didn't get to actually engage in the fight with Yodon, because they could have given her the illusion stone and have her be the one to cast the illusion, come on. She was out there. Oh, she could have done it. It didn't need to be Juru. cowards. No, it didn't. Because, like, this dude murdered her entire planet. Let her have that much, at least, because, honestly, that's him thinking that he's murdered another planet, and then she gets to be the one who says... Oh, actually, <laughs> no. But I, even if she didn't get that, which she should have, I do at least appreciate that she got to pull her signature move of just busting into a fight to walk up on the big bad and tell them what a chump they are and that her friends are about to come beat him up. Oh, yeah. Like, again, again, we all could have used her just punching the dude in the stomach and ending it right there because, you know, she could. But at least she is shown to be not only the queen of Crystallia and of our hearts, but also of just cutting dudes down to sides with her words. Which, you know, given Yodon's whole thing, that actually works yeah. pretty good just too. Her absolute fearlessness of marching into any given fight and being like, Yo, chump, you're nothing. <laughs> yeah. Like, get him, girl. You s- yeah, absolutely. And then we have, like, my favorite thing, which is made even more powerful, again, by Yodon's whole deal, which is the no-helmet roll call. Because look, y'all, I've made no secret about how much I love a no-helmet roll call. As I think does Naruhisa Arakawa, because looking back, many of the best ones were in shows he wrote. Uh, the the absolute, like, the one that sets it off for me is the Gokaiger one, because that one freaking owns but it's just this this really wonderful and exciting assertion of identity at the end of the series. They say who they are and what they're about, but when you see the face actors say it with their own faces, it drives home the fiction that they and the suit actors are these single characters while also kind of putting a cap on the show, because at the start of the series, they're just people saying that's who they are. It's, it's like a, an aspirational statement. But at the end of the series, they are those people. They've become this thing and transformed both it and themselves into it. And it's just... It's, it's lovely. But in this show, it gets even better, because Yodon's mask is a metaphor and a, and a literal mask. So having them assert themselves and do all the silly posing barefaced says that they live their lives openly and honestly, embracing their own weaknesses. Their masks are not there to make them immortal. They are not there for all the time. Their masks only go on in these extreme situations, and even then they found a way to make the mask not hide their humanity, but it, they use them as a way to celebrate it, and it's just great. Like, that's a really good catch. I didn't even kind of think of the no-helmet roll call that way in this context, but that really is it. Because they met Yodon in the final fight, true face to true face. Yodon's masks were 
gone and so were theirs. And it was this battle between who was willing to be their most authentic self. And since Yodan's whole self was wrapped up in that mask and the person he was in the mask, he couldn't cut it. Yeah, just not even a chance. And, and like, look, while, while this might have, have, you know, you can, you can sort of undercut my whole argument by pointing out that, you know, look, all the same, they do do the fight in masks, and that's fine, but also, look, these kids aren't suit actors. And that's really emphasized by Juru getting some wire work help to do that backflip at the start of his thing, when I'm pretty sure that suit actor Shigeki Ito, who has been uh, Kirame Red this whole time, I think he can just do that. A lot of those suit actors are amazingly athletic. Yeah, they are. But, like, look, that's no shade on the kid playing Juru even. Yeah, because he's not a suit actor. Look, yeah, I... Also, the kid had COVID. I'm sure he can... Yeah, exactly. He's had COVID. He's not a suit actor. I don't know what his lungs are doing. Yeah, look, he still has them, which... That's a miracle all its own. But, yeah, just... Those moments are great. But also, the six of them doing the Kirame pose helmetless was hysterical. It was very yes, funny. it really was. Because, you know, seeing suit actors do it, that's one thing. Because, after a fashion, the point of the suit actor is that they sort of... I don't know, just because they don't have faces, they blend into just... Oh, they're these symbols. They're these these ideas doing the thing. And I, an idea doing a silly thing, that's not so much... It's like, but you see their faces, those are actual people holding each other up like that, and it's so weird. And, like, the, the complete seriousness on their faces as they do it. Because also, like, when it was just the suits, it always kind of felt, you know, like, again, because it also was never this serious of a moment, that they were kind of having fun doing it. And that they would all kind of be in the helmets kind of smiling and laughing as they do it. That's always kind of the impression that I got. But now they're all in this, like, mock cheerleader katakana pose. Like, holding each other up so that they make these letters. With these completely dead serious faces. I guess... They're just like, hey man, we're coming to kill you, but first I have to, I have to nail this pose. So that just, just so you know, this is who we are, and that's just, that's so beautiful, man. Because again, you know that dude could never be any kind of silly on purpose. No, never. But they can just, they roll up just like, all right, we are now so, we are now some, some, we are now some. Uh, vowels, not vowels. Uh, what are, what is it when you just make the anyway the units of sound? The we we are syllables. That's what we are. We are all syllables. What's up, Kirame? Let's go. <laughs> We're gonna end you, dude. <laughs> and honestly, like, I hope they like. I've been I've been listening to that Power Ranger podcast again, so I just keep thinking now and again about Power Rangers. I hope they keep that thing. I hope they just keep keep the Kirame if they ever bring it to Power Rangers. Never even explain why are they holding each other like no, that. No, just do it. I also love when the theme song drops 
after everyone has essentially been powered up by Mabushina's faith in them. And it was just really sweet that as they're formulating this plan together on the fly, Mabushina and each of their partners are just, like, back here talking about how cool they are and how much they've grown as people. Oh, so good. It was a little weird that Mabushina was holding a different Kirame stone every time we cut back to her, kind of, like, from a visual continuity standpoint. But also the idea of everyone, like, cycling in and out of her hands as she talked is also a little weird. She's like, okay, I'm gonna say the Takami- I'm gonna say the Tomo thing. I'm gonna hold you. Okay. Toss. Now, now it's time for Jenner. Okay. Toss. Okay, now it's time for Dad. Toss. Like, it's- it's very weird, but it- it also kind of- is, I understand that it's for visual emphasis on who she's talking about, so the the weird visuals and the actual, like, this is good for visual emphasis kind of balance each other out. Yeah, it does, but also, like, you aren't kidding about how freaking hilarious that image is. <laughs> just like, just like her just gesturing to... I mean, I, you know, I realize they can't actually fly, but, like, even in, even in the kayfabe of the show, like, hey, get over here, get over here, all right, catch, here's why Tomatomo's great, toss, catch, just, <laughs> this, just this little assembly line of, of, yeah, I love my friends, and I, I kind of wish they would have just showed that bit instead of, like, cutting away to the fights. It's super goofy. But also, it, 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 it really Like, works. I know that they, but, they you know, didn't want to... They only had so much CGI budget, and they had to save it for the important things, but I kind of wish they had just tied a wire to them and just kind of dangled them around her head, <laughs> because that would have- I feel like that would have kind of made more sense, but it's- like, it's not- it's not really a problem. It's- it's just very no, goofy. but it's- oh, it's incredible. Though I, I do find it a little weird that she said Shiguru has always been the most stoic when his entire character arc had been about him becoming less stoic and more openly emotional with people he cares about. Um, and I'm wondering if that was maybe just a weird translation on Overtime's part and it was more of her being like, oh, he's always, like, Shiguru is the coolest. Because when he came into the show, it was him wanting to look cool by being stoic and hiding his emotions, but by being open with his friends and leaning into them and, like, showing them how much he cares about them and what his emotions really are, that's when he becomes really cool. Yeah, it, that's true. I was choosing to think that it, it was originally, like you said, it was just something along those lines, like, Shiguru, what a chill dude. Because, you know... He is. Uh, though, hey, speaking of, like, times things were literalized, remember that time his anxieties became a literal vice on his head and he opted to step down as a star of a film and let his co-stars get bigger parts because it would make the movie better and help his co-stars while his head was in a vice? That was great. Yeah. He's a good dude. Like, they all have their own moments like that, but we're talking about Shigeru right now, and that bit just... That bit just Owns bones, yeah, it, is, it was such a great way to introduce us to who Shiguru is and what his growth was going to be. Because, like, he always had it in him to to want to open up and, 
like do these things that are really helping to to promote and support others but he just didn't really know how and then you know he has people who point him in the right direction yep and that's that's how growth happens a lot of times it's beautiful so Yoron just like being done and falling flat on his face and then exploding was hilarious maybe in a way that it wasn't supposed to be but I just I want a gif of that I want to just look at that moment <laughs> because it was so no, that's good fair. and like it's so good and also him face planting in the dirt before you know exploding in se- proper sentai style that's pretty appropriate for the series and for the themes they're going for. I really appreciate that they make that work so yeah. well. Um, I kind of expected there to be a third phase to the fight, because, you know, like I said, the fight itself was very simple and didn't actually seem like all that much of a challenge in either the, the first phase where they did the illusion or the second phase where they actually, like, were fighting him. But also, without the mask, he was kind of a chump anyway. And... Yeah. Like, defeating and redeeming Garza, and then coming up with this plan for getting past Yodon's mask, like, those were the real endgame challenges, and the fight was kind of just clean up. And getting through it so quickly gave us a nice ten minutes for the epilogue, so it really felt like we got plenty of time to see off these kids that we spent the past year with. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, all that big stuff got done the previous episode. So we could just take care of the last bits here. But yeah, I was also anticipating that third phase. I don't know what it would have been, like some sort of on-the-ground, face-to-face thing, I'm not dead yet, whatever. But, you know, not having it didn't affect how satisfying it yeah, was. Yeah, like, so. it, it wasn't necessary for there to be a third phase. It's just, like, I think back to Q-Ranger, where they all, like, literally died. <laughs> Or yeah, even, right. like, Ryu Soldier, where Ko is, like, inside Eris's body, having this kind of emotional fight with her. Yeah. And there, but, you know, there really wasn't something with that depth, but I don't think it needed it. No, I mean, this, this series ended up being very, honestly, just very... Not surface level. But just That's just lighter. It's simple. just a lighter show. Yeah. Which is yeah. fine. That's fine. Yeah. Like, Goanger is a much lighter show than pretty much everything around it. And it's great. Sometimes you just need a year where stuff is chill. And it's not like the messages, like it, it hurt the messaging of the show at all. Oh, not at all. Not at so all. So it's, like, it's fine. It's just I kind of expected there to be this this heavier thing because you know three years in a row we had the the q rangers dying you had the lupots like sacrificing themselves inside dograno and then like co inside eris having this emotional battle with her and it's like okay you know what thanks arakawa for giving us a year off where we don't have to be like stressed (laughs) all to heck yeah, and you know, like you said, like on top of everything else, we also that gave them time for that epilogue. Yeah. and I'm a real sucker for a good epilogue. Yeah, no, same. Um, and speaking of, I love that 
Crunchyroll is just out there reforming Jotunheim. And everyone in Jotunheim seems cool with it. Like, he's still got all of his weird, gross sensibilities, but he's putting a positive spin on it and encouraging everyone to create for themselves and for everyone instead of destroying. He's a good little goblin, and I love him. Yeah, agreed. I'm, I'm just so happy that Naoko Kamio gets to play all of our fave gremlin baddies, just out there being all complicated and junk. Love them. Because she, she was also a uh, crayon, uh, was the 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 weird little ragdoll critter in um oh what was it the the dinosaur one oh oh Kyrieger she was Lucky Arrow yeah yeah exactly who was a good boy um she also does like a lot of more uncomplicated villains like uh, Degrano and uh, Lord Guinness but I'm just I'm just glad Naoko Kamio is out yeah. there because um just. I just want her to get to play all of the the awful little gremlins. She just she gives them so much character. I also love that Juru is still in contact with Crunchyroll. Like he just knows about this. He just called them up and was like, "Hey, is, is stuff cool over there?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna invade people anymore. I'm teaching I'm teaching all of the mooks to paint." I love that they're just they're just having art class. <laughs> Like, Juru's just out there helping him with reforming this once bad, now less bad society Maji Ranger style. Like, just because Yodan made them that way doesn't mean they're that way inherently. They can all think for themselves, and now they can take off their masks and try to find their true best selves. Yeah, and like... It's clear that it's going to take a lot of work, but the important thing is that they're building a society based around finding your best and most authentic self, and that really helps put a bow on the series' themes for me. Not to mention, I just, you know, I want to see the sequel movie where Juru and Crunchula just, you know, they they hang out, they, they just sometimes, like, they take turns, like, bringing things to paint as inspiration points or for still lives, and I just think it'd be great. Yeah. Um, and y'all, we, we brought this up on the last one, and I can't tell you how happy I am that they let Mabushina ascend to the throne like they promised. Yes. I express concern because I really thought they'd be turning Oridin back into a dude, but they let her have this one. And Mabushina, who believes so much in the people around her and gives her all to help those people shine her their brightest, gets to put that greatest talent of hers to use on the largest possible scale of making a better world for the kingdom she loves. And I'm so proud of her. Yeah, she's gonna look after him, and I definitely want to see a Kira Major Returns movie sometime, so that we can see how great she's doing at it. Because you know she was gonna. Oh, yeah. Also, I, I definitely want to see them sell the book that uh, Mabushina writes about her time among the Kira Majors, because that would all be done in the Crystallian art style, yeah. and that would be freaking sick. God, yeah. I just want to see her diary, and it's just illustrated like that. It'd be beautiful. And I'm glad that Takamichi, who had to carry some blame, and with that some of the guilt, for the destruction of his adoptive home, because he was not there to help with it, uh, got... When that was his job. Yeah, and he got to be there to help make things right. And 
in defiance of conventional orders of succession, no less, because he's not taking, he's the older brother, he should be taking the throne, but he understands that his responsibility in that matter means that he should abdicate for someone who's shown themselves better able to do the job consistently, which, you know, hey, way to bring me around, kid. Yeah, and, like, that's not, like, we know that's what happened, because he never put up a fight. Yeah. The instant it came oh, up yeah. that he knew where the fourth stone was, he was the first one to be like, okay, yeah, we use these to restore Crystallia, and Mabushina, you get to be queen. Like, yep. it's he just... knew out of the way, Mabushina gets to lead, she's the one fit for that, not me. Absolutely. And it's just, it's nice to see that sort of faith get put in her, instead of her being treated like a child. Yeah. And, I mean, I appreciate the show going out of its way to say, like, sure, she's not, like, an adult, but she has been brave, and she has grown, and, you know, she can reclaim parts of her childhood, but, you know, she doesn't need to be coddled. She can do things. Uh, also, I guess I'm glad that Mama Yuine seems to just be fine now, even though she's still just a crown? Like, I don't know, can't we put her in something else? I mean, I'm glad it seems like she doesn't have to deal with being awake for an hour and then sleeping for a month. Um, but at least give her, you know, I don't know, maybe something with some limbs? Or a face? Yeah. But not like in a Majora's Mask way, where they, like, come out of the sides of the crown and, and stuff. That would be weird. Don't do that. Mm, no. Mm, don't, mm, don't want that. But yeah, that would be Again, since I'm, I'm talking about hypothetical sequel movies or crossovers with the new team, I just, I hope when that happens, Mabuine will have a cool new body of her own, or, or maybe just a new version of the old one, I, you know, whatever. So she can be Queen Mabushina's advisor or something. Yeah, I don't know, just take the the Phoenix Oridin model and make it another color. Yeah. Like, I don't even it care if you like, make it pink. Can actually I don't, I don't care, just put her in another bird. I don't know, maybe she could, like, uh, let her be a recolor of, of, uh, the Embark. Because then, uh, she can have a face, because Embark, like, has the, the mouth thing mm. going. And they could be a special combiner. Ooh, yeah. Because then it's the king and the queen, and they turn into, I don't know, uh, the, the matrimonial phoenix? I, I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, yeah, I don't, they, they can come know, up with but, something that's Toei's job, not ours. Just, yeah, exactly. Just but put just her in something that, he... that, like, literally isn't a prop being dangled around on a string. Yes, please. Because, like, look, it's a baller crown. That's not the problem. It's just, you know, everyone else gets limbs. Let her, let her have limbs. Also, I really just love the moment of Jir being like, Okay, Kakihara, I'll definitely draw you normal this time. And not only does he not do that, he also kind of shoves her in the corner and instead just draws the entire new Sentai. He's just like, nah, this this seemed more fun. For me. He doesn't do a lot of portraits. That's not his deal. Though I do really love, like, when, when she kind of chases him and the, the page flips over in the wind and then it's the drawing of the whole Kira Major team including Mabushina and Hatsukei Minami and all the Kirame stones. Like, that was a really, really sweet note 
to end the whole show on. Yeah, it really was. And I just, it's so good to see the whole team realize like that. And, and again, it's just, like you said, it's a great way for the whole show to go out. Because, I mean, just look at them. I'm going to put a link to a picture of it in the, in the, in the as mentioned. Y- y'all have seen it before by now, I'm sure, but you could stand to look at it it's again. Just, it's, it's really cute. cute. I love I love the Mabushina. Hanging out. Yeah. Anyway, um, so that's that's Kira Major. That's Kira Major. The, they shined on the they shone on those crazy diamonds. Uh, Sona, what, do you got any final thoughts for us? This was a fun ride, and while I don't think I'm gonna remember it as one of the all-time greats, it is one that I'm gonna remember really fondly. And that I would absolutely recommend as one someone should check out when getting into Super Sentai. Like, it's got a couple messy bits, and I think the pandemic hiatus threw things off more than a little. But, you know, Kira Major made the best of its time and told this really sweet story with this really fun cast. And it didn't necessarily try anything new or ambitious, but... Ryu Soldier started Reiwa Sentai, and it seemed to want to take things back to basics. And Kira Major took that opportunity to do the same, and re-examine and build upon the ideas that Ryu Soldier reset us to, like partner characters and bigger worlds beyond our everyday lives, and, you know, really fun sidecasts, and, you know, like these kind of nebulous, are they or aren't they evil like villain characters and just the adventures that come from meeting people with different experiences and learning from them and Kira Major had something it wanted to do and it did it very well its heart was always in the right place and in a time that's probably been really rough for kids I hope that it's encouraged them to create and explore ideas even if they can't really explore the world around them outside for a little while longer so just, you know, thanks Kira Major for a really good year. Yeah. And I I definitely agree with all of that, because yeah, Kira Major is such a solid Sentai. And if it were someone's first, I think it would be it would at least keep someone curious enough to want to try out the next thing, or or another series, which honestly, that's all you can ask for. And, and while I generally responded I generally respond much better to like the big ambitious stuff like uh, Lupot, like Ryu Soldier. Uh, there's a lot to be said about doing the basics in this really competent, but at the same time kind of transformative way. Like the the basics being done well and having so many interesting elements to bring in, not only on the here are the new toys level, but also on the thematic levels and and the philosophical ones, it's just, it's really good. Because, like, look, I know that not all media needs to be didactic in its aims, but children's media in particular is, can be someone's first glimpse into the world outside their home. And while that world isn't filled with giant robots and monsters who fight for the heart of humanity or whatever, it is filled with people uh, whose need to feel powerful or special or unique kind of makes them suck. It is filled with people whose creative desires are treated with disdain or who use their creative desires as reasons to treat others with disdain. It's it's filled with people 
trying to figure out what they want to be and who they can be. And this show used those basic Sentai building blocks in such a fun and creative and interesting way that it could put those questions of who are you going to be into into just a really good story and 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 that rules and i want to circle back to kind of ambition versus kind of back to basics for a second because at the end of of heisei sentai we had some very very ambitious super sentai projects um oh yeah but i feel like from kyoryuger going forward sentai was stuck in a rut like, even those last ambitious couple of them, like Q-Ranger and Lupot, I don't feel like they are exempt from that rut. Because even when they tried very ambitious things with structure, every show felt like, these are plot points, these plot points and these character tropes are what Sentai is, and they have to be here, and it has to be like this. And Zuoger, despite what I love about it, may have been the worst of that. Or possibly Nininger. I didn't watch much of that one, so I can't really say. But the, those felt the most like the ones where it's like, the red is like this, and the blue is like this, and the pink is like this, and the villains are like this, and the plot beats go one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, like, I... I don't think Nininger did that quite as bad as Zhuoger, but it wasn't great on that level. Yeah. But at least they had a fun little twist at the end with one of the villains. Um, but like Ryu but Soldier... like Zhuoger was just... Ugh. Ryu Soldier and Kira Major, um, while they both kind of go back to the basics of Super Sentai, they go back to these really core ideas, they kind of taken an opposite approach where they focus more on okay, so we have a red, but what if the red is like this? And what if what if we take this idea of, like, the stoic, cool guy blue, but make him really, really emotional? And what if we kind of have the villains linked to the, like, thematically linked to the heroes again? It's been a hot minute. Instead of just trying to arrange the same blocks into new patterns and throwing a different code of visual theming upon it. Um, like, Ryu Soldier and Kira Major, for all they were back to basics, had things that were very unique to Super Sentai. Like, there aren't other reds like Juru. Sadly not. Like, there, there aren't, like, blue and pink dynamics like there were with Melt and Asuna. They're the only we haven't seen a lot of partner shows the way there was with these two. And I mean, like, they're not the first by any means, but there haven't been a lot. And arguably, they've been the best at it. Yes. Um, in some of those things, yeah. Like, I would put Kira Major on par with Goanger as far as how well the partner characters were handled, if not better, because the. Kirame Stones never had faces. Um, where... And I love Goanger, and I have always held Goanger as the highest standard of 
any any tokusatsu hero having like a little gimmicky partner but they would have these little like holograms that were just little animated versions that would have like these fully animated faces and i think that kira major being able to pull that off without having that face for you to get attached to like that's really incredible it's what drive wanted to do and then immediately gave up on yeah. i mean did they really want oh to? they did well remember uh vegas no, and yeah, cap no i know i they wanted to uh, and then immediately then gave just... up yeah well i mean in no you know i was about to say in fairness but no i think it's just oh yeah it's hard to do it that. is it's but really like... hard but Kira Major but did it. But you either do it or you don't. Yeah, it did. Well, I mean, look, like nothing against um, fellow who wrote Drive. Also did Double. What's his name? Uh, Riku Sanjo. Yeah, Riku Sanjo. Nothing against that dude. But um, he's no Narihisara. No. And... and again, to be clear. There is no shame in not being as good at this as Narihisa Arakawa. Yeah, and, like, look, I'm, I, I'm poking fun at Drive just because Drive immediately gave up on it. Shows that try and fail, at least they try, but Drive just gave up. But I feel like Ryu Soldier and Kira Major, by going back to basics and trying to do these things in a new way, opened up a lot of doors and made the familiar parts of Super Sentai feel fresh and fun again in a way that even the most ambitious recent Sentai like Q-Ranger and Lupot couldn't do. And I think that's why they stepped back to something as tried and true as a dinosaur Sentai with Ryu Soldier, and why they gave the follow-up to Arakawa, who has written some of the, like, best regarded in the Toei Tokusatsu genre. And especially in a time where Sentai had looked like it was dying, these two shows emphasized what was great about the genre by polishing the parts that have stood the test of time and cutting away the bits that had gotten stale. And now from here, it looks like they're going to take that renewed energy to try and do something ambitious and cool and different again. And this is the time to do it. Because now it feels like they're using that ambition to reinvent Sentai and try some new things and push it further instead of using the ambitious ideas of, again, Q-Ranger and Lupot as these last grasps at relevancy. Which is tragic, because they were great ideas and deserved better than that. Yeah, they really did. And again, I love those two shows. Like... Oh, yeah, but they... But that's what they... They they're, were they're not what they could have been. No, like, they they were flawed on so many levels, but, oh, and they shine. Oh, yeah. Like I said, the really good parts of Q-Ranger are the best that all of Super Sentai has to offer. It's just that, oh, the lows. Yeah. But the first two Reiwa Sentai built a new foundation for Sentai to grow and explore, and I'm excited to see where we go from here. Yeah. Absolutely, because, like, the basics aren't a set thing. And I know, like, I'm trying to find fresh things to say that weren't just your very correct 
discussion just now, but it's... I'm just happy to see that Sentai can still be used in new and fun ways to build a story and act as a springboard for different writer and director and, and you know, the whole creative team having a creative vision. I, I really feel like Reiwa is going to be a good time for Sentai. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the next one. Yeah. Uh, so any other final thoughts before we close the door on this one? Just, I, I love these kids. I'm going to miss them. I'm looking forward to the little movie that they're getting. Um, I have heard that they're going to do a proper Kira Major versus Ryu Soldier, so I'm looking forward to that. So I'm, I'm glad we've got a couple more chances to reconnect with the Kira Majors, and I'm just really excited to move ahead same so then for all of us here at Laser Knees and the rest of the TOL network I'm Aleph and I'm Sana and shine on you crazy diamonds <laughs> <laughs>